You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. What's up? What's up? Welcome back to another Thursday episode of Clapback Culture. I'm your girl, Jules Jesse, and I got Big Brado in the building. What's, What's up, Brado? How everybody doing, y'all? We're here for another week. I'm excited. We got man. some really good topics, man. I'm just really happy, Jules. I'm excited. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So over the weekend, um, you know, some fans were enjoying that Beyonce tour, that Renaissance tour. Um, and it came to D.C., as you know, we saw that all on social media. But listen, we had crazy, crazy, crazy thunderstorms, um, but it did not stop the party. OK, Beyonce and all of her team went ahead and danced in the rain. Um, the show started two hours late. But listen, your girl decided to send people home safely. She spent the bag. Beyonce was not able to stop the rain, but she single-handedly kept that subway train running. Uh, she paid $100,000 to DC Metro System uh, to, to keep the operating hours open for an additional hour on the last Sunday show um, in order to get fans home safely. So I thought that was a super boss move. Um, big respect to Beyonce and her team for doing that. $100,000 is a drop in the bucket to our good No, 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 no. I knew you was going to say that the world keeps saying this is a drop in the bucket. I get it. It is. Hold on, but it's, it's a drop in the bucket. But I appreciate that because okay. when it comes to sales and revenues, that's like, it's like, it's really the thought that counts. You know what I'm saying? It it's the it thought is. that counts. And it's the fact that she's even considering, um, and her team that they're considering, you know, making sure people get home safe. That's a big thing. So let's let's say this. So 95 and I'm not I'm not over exaggerating, but 95 percent of artists do not get paid one hundred thousand dollars for a show. There's mm -hmm. only there's only four artists or maybe five that get paid like that. Right. One is Lil Baby. One is Drake. You have like um, obviously you have Beyonce and Jay-Z. And then you probably have another superpower, but most people are happy getting forty or fifty thousand a show. Yeah. So I'm sure Beyonce got a bag for this, but it really, 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 really shows her heart. I don't think Beyonce and Jay Z get enough credit. I know they don't get enough credit for yeah. the humanity, the kind of um, just things that they do on a regular basis. Man, I have grown to love Beyonce and respect um, Jay Z. I don't know. I've never been to a Beyonce concert, Jules. I got to go to uh -huh. one. I know, but it rained like cats and dogs. On that day, um, obviously, I was outside doing some yard work, and I got rained on. So I know how crazy the rain was. So for people, for people to have stayed, and for you guys who don't understand the context, RFK Stadium here is a huge stadium. They use it for soccer, but it was our old football stadium. It's an open, it's an open dome, guys. So it doesn't have a top over it. So when it rains. Every you know, it rains on the entire thing. Of course, she sold out the entire stadium, right? Of course. But it rained. So for her to um have continued the show, they said she was flawless, you know, she was flying in the air, she was doing all of this. Oh, nobody left. It was packed there and it was it was standing room only yeah. the whole show. So she performed in between the rain. It just shows her professionalism. I think music nowadays has gotten to a point where people just 
they're allowed to really not show their craft. A lot of people make songs and they're not really talented. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, they're not entertainers. Yes, they're not entertainers. So I, I, I know for a fact that we are like underestimating and really not relishing the moment of having like this superstar that, that is like a generational kind of person, right? She is our new era Michael Jackson, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. She is greater than a Janet Jackson. Like she is everything. So for her to have shown like, usually a lot of times our megastars, they get so conceited. They think about their fans less and less. So for her to, to, to like really think about us even being a metropolitan city. You know, there's not even a lot of metropolitan cities in, in the United States. So for her to consider that and reach out to Metro in, in, in show and say, hey, look, I want to make sure people still get home because we had to go two hours late. Oh, I just love it, man. Beyonce is the bomb, man. She's everything. She is everything. I mean, she is the queen. I have had the pleasure of seeing her and, and Jay-Z perform wow. uh, during their On The Run tour. Well, you've, been, you've been to a concert. Yeah, I went to Jay-Z and Beyonce's joint uh, tour with the um, the On The Run tour. I'm on the run. And they're incredible together. They're incredible separate. I... You know, listen, the consideration for me is more than what I think a lot of artists um, would have even thought of. Absolutely. But I am going to take a shot at D.C. for a second, because what? why the hell do we not have a facility to accommodate 65,000 people that can close? Like, why don't we have something that can that a dome can close? Why is it that everyone's so packed? We, do, like we, we, we have um where we have we have the Capitol Center or what is it called now? Is this the Capitol One Arena? Yeah, we have that. But it's but no, the Capital One Arena would not allow the theatrics that Beyonce is bringing to the table. You got to think they're taking over an entire football field. The, the Capital One Arena is small as hell. It is. It is. So what I'm saying is, is, we we don't have a megadome. We don't have yeah. any kind of sport. For us to be the nation's capital, we need to have a stadium. We're so small. The national right? stadium is not big. Is not big. Yeah. Wouldn't accommodate the the soccer stadium. Wouldn't accommodate. So this is listen. We need some Mayor Bowser. Next year, we need you to put it into the budget. I know we don't have this conversation right sure now, do but we need we need a stadium, DC. We need something that will open and close during inclement weather. People yeah. should not have paid thousands of dollars for those tickets and experience that kind of rain. Listen, I'm sure people went home and they said it added to the experience. They still yeah. got an experience. They still got a show, honey. It still they got did. Show. However, it is not okay to me as not only a resident here, but as a fan of Beyonce, that we, you know, that we can't get to experience something to the best quality that is possible. Let's go to a show. Can you promise me that before said and done? I want to put that in my bucket list. Will you take me to a Beyonce show? Absolutely. Let's go. I mean, we're going to pay a bag, but I want good seats too. So okay. remember, remember on this show, I just asked you if you would take me. Not that I'm buying my ticket. When you take a person, you buy their ticket. I okay. specifically because Beyonce, I mean, minimum ticket is like a stack. So, right. Yeah. So I want, okay. I want to see the 100s. Not only will I take you, okay. I will give you a full blown Beyonce experience Woo! that your life 
will depend on. So we'll listen, y'all hold me accountable. I don't know when her next tour is going to be because listen, she's listen, she ain't coming back out with another tour for a minute. People were speculating that this was like her last tour, but obviously it would have been named farewell tour. So we know it's not. Beyonce got another 10 years in. I'm not worried about that. Okay. Bet. Bets. All right. I have some other news. This is a very, very, very sad story. Oh, I already um, But Lord, we had to bring it to the table, you guys. There is a couple out of Atlanta, okay? Um, they are ca- uh, calling a lawsuit, you guys, because during their delivery process, they're alleging that the doctor decapitated their baby during birth. Listen, I couldn't make this up if I wanted to. What I'm telling you, Rodney, is this. The circumstances in this case are grief. Let me give you some details. The mother is 20 years old. The father is 21 years old. So this is a very young couple. Um, They go in for a routine delivery. There is some... There we go. There is some difficulties in terms of um, of the mother giving birth. However, the doctor that's normal. The doctor waited. The doctor was trying to grab the baby out. In the report, it alleges that the doctor was using excessive force to try to pull the baby out of the birth canal, and in which time decapitated the baby, removing its head from its shoulders. It alleges in the article that the doctor pushes the body back into the mother and then leaves it there for a period of three hours and then does a C-section where one, the baby's head is birthed vaginally and the remaining body is pulled out from a cesarean section. Two on the 10 is this, the parents had no idea that the baby's body had been decapitated because they presented the baby so wrapped and bundled up to show the deceased baby that the head looked attached to the body. Um, their lawyers are coming out and discussing this. Um, this is black people. It's how they treat black people. I I mean, I hate to always take this approach, but I have to be someone who is obviously pro-black and and someone that just hates how we are treated. I'm sure this young couple has some kind of um, government assistance, some kind of Medicaid. And it is it's it's just it's, it's crazy. Like, what are we talking about here? So for all you guys out there that's looking or that's watching. If you guys have ever been inside of the birthing room, one of the things that they do, they're very rough. Doctors are very rough as the hair come out of the mama's vagina. They they shape it. They're always digging into there because it is always a panic to get the head out. That's the most important thing because the vaginal walls is not meant to be spread that wide. So as the head pushes out, there's a lot of pressure. So they want to get the head out. So the body, you know, obviously so, so that the baby doesn't suffocate. Needless to say, there is a way that things are done. And I'm sure that had this would have been a couple, um, an older couple, a, a couple of some status, that they would have took the necessary precautions. I just feel like this guy, I mean, do you know how rough you really have to be? A baby is fragile, don't get it wrong, but you know how rough you have to really be doing that to decapitate 
a baby's head from the body. Well, do you know that as I Googled this, it pulled up multiple reports that this this is not the first time that this has happened. And in fact, this is not the first time it happened. No, I've never heard of this. I've never heard of this. I had never heard of this either, but so what I'm saying is when I this, it pulled up several reports of this happening. You gotta remember a baby one is extremely fragile, right? Bye-bye, It couldn't have been Cairo, because guess what? One thing that we underestimate is the, the presence of a of a male figure in all that we do, right? Um, a lot of times moms is moms want moms in the room with them, right? And I understand that because a mom understands, obviously, they can be there, they can trust their mom because they've been through the same, you know, birth, birthing kind of ceremony, um, birthing ritual process, right? But it is very important because when I was in the delivery room uh, with Lucy guys, trust and believe, I was tactical about everything. I was telling doctors what they could do, what they couldn't do. A mom that's going through that kind of pain, having those kind of contractions, they can't see. Lucy did not see what was happening. All she knew was breathe and put her head in the pillow. She knew nothing about her surroundings. She probably only remember the doctor's faces. But it's just important to have that partner, that male figure there that's like, hey, what's going on? The doctors was upset about me taping everything. I was taping everything. Um, you're not going to tell me what to do with my wife and my child. That's just dead, you know. But as as dominant or as or, or how that might sound, it's, it's important. It is important it's, it's, to, have that to have your back because you know what I would have done? I would have been telling that doctor, stop. You're tripping. Why are you why are you digging inside of my wife's vagina that way? You're you're moving too crazy on my baby. The top the decapitated? You know he had to be damn near using a plunger. He had to be really getting in there and like really like, come on, man. So here's some details. I couldn't I couldn't confirm. But the picture on social media that's going around is that this was a black woman obstetrician mm. that capitated the baby. Mm. However, that doesn't mean anything to me. But I, I agree with you that you have got to have strong representation when you are giving birth to a baby, especially yes. black women, because yes. black maternal health is under attack. I, I want to go back to your earlier point where you talked about these are two very young people having a baby. Who don't Number know what they're looking for. They don't know what to look for. They they have no idea what to look for. And they don't and they're and and they have they don't have the life's experience yet to be the bad, yeah. best advocate for themselves. Whew. You can go in a room and not and, and feel empowered and confident to say, no, don't do that. A 20-year-old yeah. who's giving birth possibly for the first time is leaning on a doctor for their expertise and experience. Absolutely. And even and even the father that's in the room that's saying, I don't know what to do. I'm trusting the doctors in this matter. Here's the thing. As you know, I'm 35 years old. I had my first baby at 35 years old. You're and I chose very to, pretty sexy for 35. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, honey. Black don't crack. Thank you. Ow. But during that process, didn't I go through a ton of educational classes? I took I advantage of every single thing that the insurance could offer. I was on the Internet reading a bunch of stuff. I was watching YouTube videos, trying to figure out stuff. I met with a doula. I took those classes. I learned about breastfeeding. 
women, black women, please tap into these educational resources. If you don't have somebody who can strongly advocate for yourself, get a doula, find somebody who's going to be in that birthing room with you to coach you. And guess what? Your body can do things the natural way. This is why I did not go to the doctor in labor, right? Because this young lady was laboring for a number of hours beforehand, because guess what? My doulas told me that when you're in the room, those doctors are pushing you to hurry up and get that baby up out of there. Mm -hmm. We were home the whole time, you guys. Yep. I stayed in my room. I ate food. I took oh, a I shower. I got a massage. Yeah. It was an amazing experience because I got to relax in the confines of my own home and I in my body got to naturally do what it needed to do. When I when I was ready to go to the hospital, I said, come on, y'all, I'm ready now. You are going to know deep down inside of you when your body is ready to go. You're going to naturally know when to push. Don't let hospitals. You pushed out 30 minutes from the time you got to the hospital. So you really knew. Yeah. Get to the hospital. By the time they had her in the bed and settled, Lucy pushed that baby out at in 30 minutes. Listen, this is an incredibly sad story. I hope these uh, these parents get exactly what they're asking for um, and, and rest in peace to the loss of their beautiful what, what baby. What can they be asking for, though? Like, what kind of money, what amount of money can really satisfy them, right? Um, obviously, so I always know, it's always like, okay, let's throw this doctor under the judge. I mean, let's throw this doctor under the, under the, um, under the jail. Yeah. Which is basically Ebonics was saying, let's give her a lot of time. Yeah. What does that do? Because you don't have a relationship with this doctor. You don't know him. You really don't care about him as much as you say. So even if this doctor gets two years or 25 years, you won't know the difference. Right. right. So what what would you say is some is suffice? Right. It has to be in money because that's the only way we measure like compensation for something like this. So what amount of money would you say is enough for them to get for this wrongful um, death? So it's interesting that you bring this up because this is something that um, so you guys know, I work for Councilmember Trayon White and one of the bills of legislation that we were working on, it there was a bill that came across the table um, about a young girl that committed suicide in a public boarding school um, following being bullied at the school. So she was living in a boarding school, <clears throat> committed suicide. And there was this idea of putting together like a wrongful death suit to sue the school and the parents of the kids that were bullying her. And then there was an idea of like how to generate a loss amount, right? And so there is a calculation of of what you are valued as a black man. There's a there's a calculation to determine how much I'm worth as a black woman. And there's a number of social economic things that weigh into this calculation to say whether to say what your value is, your age, your race, your gender, uh, how much you make, um, how much you make at your job, the level of education that you have. All of those things kind of calculate and add into it. I'm not saying that's right. What I'm saying is. In the court of law, there is a calculation for that ass to say white men are more valued than black when black men or black women or this and that. Absolutely. So Absolutely. it's crazy. Um, in this case, 
I couldn't put a dollar amount on that. Um, I think for this kind of trauma, um, they need a dollar amount that's life changing so that they can create a new life yeah. so that they can get set up in a way yeah, that they can have a new life. Yeah, this trauma is sitting forever, but I, I couldn't see them doing anything less than 15 mil. Um, anything less than 15 mil is a slap in the face. Yeah, uh, but but they they need to hit that hospital where where it stands. But let's get on to the next one, man. This this was a sad topic, y'all. This Sorry is to out, but we had to let you guys know what happens. Right, it is so important, man, for Black and Brown people, especially, um, to have the right people in your corner to understand, um, you know, maternal health, you know, and, and really just have the education and knowledge base about what's going on. You know, I see a lot of people now really want to have these at-home births. The body can naturally have a, a baby, guys. So before the, the before the get before the beginning of time, right? When women have been having babies before there was a thing of a hospital, before there was assistance, no matter what, that body is going to do what is what is what is trained Designed to, to do, and it will naturally push that baby out. So get your education. Um, I, I pray that this never happens to anyone again. And um, I'm really sorry to the family. So this could have been a clapback too. And, and we're going to go ahead and change gears, you guys. But I got a clapback for this. Um, there's a 62-year-old woman who was now who was locked up behind pouring a soda on a yeah. black child and attacking him. Uh, we got some footage. We're going to go ahead and watch that and we're going to come back and talk about it. 62-year-old Kimberly Jennings was charged with two counts of simple assault on a child under 12. Tenants at Sedgefield Garden Apartments say they managed the apartment, that she managed the apartment for about three years. Now the family involved live nearby, but not at the complex and say they would regularly visit the privately owned pool. She untwists the Coke bottle and starts splashing it on me. Then she hits me twice, like here and here. That's how 11-year-old Jace Leary describes what happened with an apartment complex manager Wednesday. He says Kimberly Jennings was trying to get him and his eight-year-old sister to leave the Sedgefield Garden Apartments pool. The pool has signs that say no trespassing and for adults to accompany their children. But the siblings say this is not the first time they have visited the pool. Sometimes she would just come and tell us to get out. We wait, we come back until last Wednesday. Before the video started rolling, Leary says the manager pulled his sister's hair and hit her. The 11-year-old boy says at that point he threw a bottle at Jennings. What was captured in the video is Jennings throwing a soda and then reportedly hitting the boy in the chest and face. It's gone viral and sparked outrage in the Greensboro community where nearby neighbors protested. This is why I'm so angry. This is why when I get on here, why I act so pro-black, so pro which is why I feel obligated to be a representation for black people, black and brown people, people of color, because of the things that happen like this, right? So so for first off, there's no excuse. This is totally unacceptable on her part. We're talking about a child and an adult, right? Child wants to come swim. Um, her, um, what she's basically saying is that this child should have been accompanied by a parent, blah, 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 right? I agree, okay, because any child left in the pool should have a parent there in the case of them drowning or anything like that. Right. Needless to say, this child has been coming to this pool 
for countless years, for countless summers. You right. know this child. When in the goddamn craziness that you feel that it's okay not only to put your hands on the child, but to dehumanize the child by pouring a soda on them. And smacking them in the face. Now, now imagine this white woman, okay? Imagine you doing this to your own child. Imagine another white woman pouring some soda on your child, white woman. Oh, no. Let's take it this way. Imagine a black woman pouring a soda on a little white child. Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine that? Could no. you imagine the repercussions? No. He's behind that. It is sickening. I'm tired of it. I am tired of seeing the, this, this racist activities here that's going on on a regular basis. I'm really, really, really just sick of it. And more than I'm fed up. Like, I'm so fed up with it. This right here is just, it just shows. It just shows the level of <sighs> a value. It just shows the level of value, how you value these young kids. You really not only pour soap in the child to dehumanize them and embarrass them, but then you smack them in the face. The thing, my, my heart is pouring out, like, I want to jump to the screen and save them because this young kid did nothing. If you see him, he's frozen. Like, he's like, oh, my goodness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No one's going to save him, man. And, 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 and that's, that's our story in America. That's why we're angry. That's why we lash out. Because we feel alone. We feel like no one's there to save us. I'm I'm really just like I'm I'm infuriated at how far this got. And at what point do we start feeling like we can dehumanize children um, for them doing something that they're absolutely supposed to do, which is go have fun during the summertime? This is an 11 year old kid who is taking care of his eight year old sister. Um, and all they're doing is going and playing at the pool. Now, do I agree with Rodney that they should have had a parent there to watch them? Absolutely, because anything could happen. But let me tell you something about these kids. You can look at these kids and you can look at them and know that their mom is unavailable to take them to the pool. Now, as a 62-year-old property manager, what you should have did was build a relationship with those kids, understood why they were there, and, and, and then maybe decided, hey, look, when you want to come to the pool, have your mother text me, and if I'm available, I'll sit at the pool with you so you guys can sit in the pool for about an hour. Because the boy did, said this. He said, we come to the pool, she kicks us out, and we come back 30 minutes later. They don't have anything to do. Where are the recreation centers to help watch these kids? Where are the schools that help watch these kids? This is why it takes a village. This is why you can't have your children unattended because there's vicious monsters in the world like this 62-year-old Heffa who decided to put her hands on children. Not only did she smack this boy in the face, pour soda on him before what you don't see in the video is that she pulled his eight-year-old sister's hair, which is why she ended up retaliating because he threw a bottle at her. So there was a whole fight in, in this. And guess what? This little boy is defending his little sister. 
He's defending her humanity and saying, actually, you're not going to put your hands on my sister. I'm confused why the, the, the property manager in this case didn't try to go find the parents. And guess what? If you really felt like these little ass kids needed to get up out the pool, you should have called 911 if they didn't want to leave. You could have called 911 and said, hey, listen, they're here unaccompanied. They're not allowed to be on the property. Their signage. If you wanted to go ahead and pull a Karen, pull a Karen. But don't you dare put your hands on a child. Two of them. So this is this is the parent is better than me because I would have hauled tail and what's the matter. No she won't get no time. Of course this, she's this, not. This, 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 white, this white Karen that, that that feels entitled, she'll get no time. She'll she'll sit there. You know what's crazy too is that they have not reported on whether or not she lost her job or not. Absolutely not. She's a property manager. They're going to keep her there and, and, and whites will rally around her and figure out a way to to make this right or excusable. You can tell by the picture that they live in the hood like this is a hood complex, y'all like this is the neighborhood. This is not no luxury high tail penthouse apartment like y'all living in the hood and these kids don't got nowhere to go. Let these babies go swim, y'all. I just I mean, it needs to be a space where they could just let those moms, like I'm so tired of people um, doing heinous crimes to blacks and just, you know, getting it swept under the rug. That mom should have found a way. Oh, child. Could you imagine if the mom would have just caught her mid swing about to pop her son in the face and just fireworks? <laughs> well, that brings us into our next topic. Oh, child. Listen, there was Imagine a brawl Brawls, honey. Do you have your four inch over there? Let's get ready. Listen, where is it, baby? $16.99. Let's get ready to rumble. Before we get ready to rumble, you guys, let's take a quick break. But when we come back, we are going to talk about that Montgomery Brawl. No way, y'all. This one right here, you're going to want to see. Stay tuned. You're watching Clapback Culture. Hi, I'm Chelsea Richardson, spoken word artist. Come be a part of Poetry's Love Story and join us for a captivating fundraiser event, Poetry Love, on August 9th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Sankofa Theater. This event will feature an incredible lineup of renowned poets and one mesmerizing musician, all coming together to raise funds for the Sankofa Theater. Tickets are available now at sankofatheaterc.com. We'll see you there. Hey guys, Basil Gordon here. Right now I am with my exclusive fam. And in case you missed it, August is National Black Business Month. So of course, Converge Media is going to uplift different black businesses across the Pacific Northwest. And we want for you to nominate your favorite by going to whereweconverge.com forward slash black business month. Again, that is whereweconverge.com forward slash black business month. And honestly, you never know. Girl might pull up. Hey, I'm Basil Gordon. You may have heard my voice on Hits 1061 or seen me on Converge Media, but now I'm coming to TV. I'm hosting the newest show on Fox 13 called Back to Basa. Check us out every weekend for the hottest topics, interviews, the latest trends, and uplifting stories. We're going to have so much fun, and teens, we got you too. Back to Basa, Saturday nights, 10.30 on Fox 13, and Sundays at 10 a.m. on Fox 13+. Plus. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Clapback Culture. We get into this one. Listen, we. I know you've been waiting. This is something that we have been watching repeatedly in our household, sharing it, 
I had the pleasure of introducing this topic to my mom. She had no idea what was going on. How did you miss this? Um, But listen, two men were charged in connection with that brawl uh, that took place over the weekend at the Montgomery Riverfront Dock. Um, They are in custody. But for those of you who have been sleeping under a rock, child, we got the whole thing. We're going to play this clip and we're going to come back and we're going to get right into it. Get your chair ready. He's the teenager being hailed a hero for swimming to the rescue in the midst of that ugly riverfront brawl. The teen leaps off a riverboat after seeing his co-worker being beaten on the dock. The 16-year-old is now being dubbed a real-life Aquaman. On social media, he is a sensation. The guy that jumped in the water to help, yeah. they're now calling him Jamichael Phelps. Jamichael <laughs> Phelps. I heard Michael B. Phelps. A family spokesperson praises him as showcasing courage beyond his years. Video of the Riverfront Rumble is being seen around the world, and we're learning more today about how it all started and why it erupted into a pitched battle with racial overtones. Passengers on this riverboat were getting ready to go ashore after an evening cruise in Montgomery, Alabama. That's the first mate who's gone ashore to remove a pontoon boat blocking the riverboat's dock. You hear the captain over the PA system suddenly say, black pontoon boat, move your boat. Krista Owen shot this video as the first mate tried to persuade a group of men to move their boat. That's when one knucklehead attacks him. And you can see him toss his hat away as he gets ready to fight back. But within seconds, he is hopelessly outnumbered and is taking a brutal beating. What were you thinking when all of a sudden you see the first punch being thrown? It was breaking my heart and all of us, of course. Now we're like, I can't believe we have to watch this poor man, you know, be beat and we can't do anything about it. He's defenseless. He's defenseless. The riverboat captain spoke to a local radio station. It was difficult for me to sit there in the wheelhouse watching him being attacked. And the whole time I'm on the PA, stop, stop. When the riverboat finally docks, some passengers and crew get involved and there's a free for all. This woman was thrown into the water. Look at that guy hitting people over the head with the folding chair again and again. Oh my God. He's going to Until he's finally overpowered by cops. The fight is angering Mayor Stephen Reed. This is not indicative of our community at all. <laughs> I wish I was there. I wish I was there. I hate to say it. I wish I was there. Man, this is the best use of violence that I saw in a long time. I wish I was there, Lucy. Jews, I wish I was there. Montgomery, Alabama has a super racial, racist history. So I think, here's the thing with you cannot know, you cannot unsee the fact that it's black people versus white people. Yes. Um, Yes. I, I I hate this that it happened, but I love the aftermath because it is so funny. They're calling this Bloody Saturday. Um, some of the jokes that I've heard is that uh, they said we're going to tell our kids this was the Boston Tea Party. I mean, this is a this is so much. Um, but I I I I love this because it shows what happens. Um, when you think that you're going to take over. So here's a little bit to know about, a little more context to this. 
This platoon boat was sitting there illegally parked for 45 minutes. And so this tour boat is sitting there and it can't dock. It can't do anything because the platoon boat is in the way. This first mate gets out because he's the first mate on the boat on the ship that's there. He gets out and he's physically moving that platoon boat out of the way, which is why this guy, they kind of exchange words and then they get into the altercation and then he starts getting jumped. Everyone in the blue shirts are the crew members on the ship that the that the uh, that the first mate is working on, and they come in everywhere. So the 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 sixteen year old boy who jumped into the water and swam to go get him, that's it, that's his colleague, and you know they was calling him Scuba Scuba Gooding Jr. They were calling him Michael B. Phelps. They were Michael B. Jordan. So. Um, his family, the 16-year-old boy, his family released a press statement that said work was basically calling him a hero and stepping up during the time of need. If anybody thinks they're going to put their hands on one of my colleagues, I'm jumping into. Because guess what? It ain't going to be. You're not going to. Everyone's already outraged that you guys won't just move your damn boat. You got the ass moving that you asked for. Period. This was the first. And I will say the first pass for us to whoop some white ass. <laughs> it was a lot of redemption in there, won't it? All of the tension that's already going on down south. We already understand that there's more racial tension down south than anywhere in America. And it's always been um it's always been structured that way. But this right here was a time this is the boiling where we had a pass to tap that ass. Yeah. Right. First they jump in. And this is the first time you see the press like really showing this black guy remorse and saying that he was jumped, he needed help. Man, my favorite part of this whole thing, when you see the three guys skipping, when you see black my guys skipping, you know, <laughs> when you see us skipping, you know it's his time to go. Listen, through, they got the people skip are skipping towards you. Bro. It's the one-two skip. Bro. Because in their head, they was like, oh, I've been waiting. I, we've been waiting for this our whole life. <laughs> this shit is for our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers. We have been waiting for an excuse for you to do this so that we can we can whoop we can whoop behind without no re- without no uh uh no 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 rep um what's the word I'm looking for, Drew? Repercussions. Repercussions. Oh my goodness. Oh no, I'm Look. taking the smoke. I'm ready for that smoke. That guy, so all over social media, guys, everyone is talking about the folding chair, okay? The folding chairs, because we didn't have a lot of it in the clip, right? But there was one guy that had this gray folding chair and he was hitting everybody. He, he didn't even hit the girl's, the man's wife. Thank he you. He was throwing everybody behind up because his wife was on the ground and guys were viciously attacking his wife. They already knew. Guys knew what time it was. When everybody, when that ship docked, you had guys running from the top. It was really like just black people saying enough is enough. Listen, and, nobody was safe. Yes, enough is enough. And, and and it's sad to say, but as 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 hype as I was a second ago, what's happened is that people of color are tired of being oppressed. We have been oppressed for so long, right? For this mob, and they never use mob with white people, but they always use it with us, right? Two or two or more black boys is always called the vicious mob. They never use it with white people. And they didn't use it this time. But what you seen was a mob, 
a mob of white individuals that came in aggressively to whip on this black man. Now, shame on you, black man, because your behind cannot fight. Your fat self was sitting up there, not in shape. You need to get in shape because you're playing. And that's why everybody came to your defense, but they whooped his tail real good. And then everybody came to his defense. But I don't want to come on here and just it, it sound like, oh, man, I'm I'm here for violence because I'm not. OK, so don't don't get that. But it's funny to me because I do side with black people and I understand why they were so aggressive and so irate because mm-hmm. we never get a chance to express ourselves. Imagine being oppressed for hundreds of years, not dozens, not I mean, hundreds of years. Um, this has been a hundred years. Yeah, this has been a, a regular instance uh, with white with white America. Um, and, and for the first time, blacks have really they had a chance to come in. I mean, do you guys understand what that meant? A guy, black people's not jumping in bodies of water. We'll swim in the pool. Black people will not hop in no in no open body of water like that ocean. Man, in that water. They had coming when a black man hop in water. You need to get your butt out of there. <laughs> there's, a few, there's a few points that I want to make. The first Ooh. one is if you see a group of black people doing that two step two step skip towards you. Mm. Oh, number one, if you're not familiar with it, it was like this, dude. It was three of them. They always in unison on the same foot. It was like, I can't wait. I can't get closer. <laughs> if they do that two step, whoo, get out the way. That's called a run up. That, that's a little warning. If people, if people run up to you like that, it's not going to be good when they get there. They was so, throwing the punch all the way from here. Man. <laughs> so that, that's my first point. So beware of the run up. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, um, I agree with you that this looked like a lot of people that reached their boiling point. Uh, this is also, again, 45 minutes of frustrated people trying to get you to move. So this is not something that's a reactionary, right? They're not just reacting. These are people who are st- looking at the boat saying, damn, why wouldn't they just move so we can park and get off? Like this is this is like 45 minutes worth of road rage. And then the audacity of the platoon owners feeling like they could put their hands on somebody for moving the boat out of the way. And so I I think that this I want people to understand that this is not um this was not a split second decision. This was more of like frustration that had been boiling and boiling and boiling that kind of spilled over. Um, and then I agree with your um, your last point and, and I'll add this to it. When you are a person that is constantly oppressed, you never feel like you have that opportunity to be heard or to physically respond to something um, in the moment. This was an opportunity for black people to stand up for themselves and take a physical stance and say, absolutely not. And I feel strongly that it's okay for us to celebrate this moment for black people because this is what happens when you're a white mob and you think you're gonna take one of ours. And I hope that um, our our race, our culture begins to say, this is how we need to show up for each other all the time, even when it doesn't have anything to do with violence. We should be running up 
when black people open new businesses, new restaurants, new uh, clothing lines, we should be running up to do that. We should be aggressively attacking everything that is black to support that. And so I, I don't want us to lose sight on that. If we just add a little positive spin on all this funniness, let's make sure that we act the same way um, in a positive manner when it comes to black people supporting black people. That's powerful, Jules. I really like that. Um, I'll echo those sentiments and just like, just say run up. I like that. I like how you put that. If we were all aggressive like that with black business and black ownership and black support more than anything, I mean, run up. That was that was powerful. I really like how you characterize that and really like spent that. That's that's what's up. I agree. All right. Well, look, let's take a quick break. But when we come back, we got that clap back. back. (laughs) Stay tuned. You're watching Clap Back Culture. Hey guys, Basil Gordon here. Right now I am with my exclusive fam. And in case you missed it, August is National Black Business Month. So of course, Converge Media is going to uplift different black businesses across the Pacific Northwest. And we want for you to nominate your favorite by going to whereweconverge.com forward slash black business month. Again, that is whereweconverge.com forward slash black business month. And honestly, you never know. Drop my pull up. All right, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back to Clap Back. (laughs) Uh, Listen, this is something that has hit the airways, not only on social media and in the hip hop blogs and everything else like that, but this has made national news. I'm talking about NPR, CNN. People are reporting about this. Uh, But rapper Tory Lanez has been sentenced to 10 years in prison. Uh, after being found guilty on all three felony counts for shooting Megan the Stallion th- in back in 2020. Um, listen, they were expecting, or at least what the Tory Lanez's lawyers were asking for, they were looking for somewhere between three to six years. So 10 years, social media, and everybody's like, how sway? Like, how is he getting so much time? The other side of the other side of the conversation is that some people who are team Meg the Stallion feel like this is not enough time. So today what? we're gonna clap back and we're gonna figure out how do you feel about this? Is this too much time? Is it not enough time? Is it split down the middle? Tory Lanez was facing 22 years um max, got 11, so it's almost split down the middle. Uh, is this too much? Uh, way too much. And for me, it's way too much due to the fact that the evidence didn't specifically clear and cut say that he shot her. There were too many holes in this case. We all watched it in America and we sat back and we seen um, troubling um, information from everyone involved in the case, including Mag's best friend, right? Hold on, hold on. Let me stop you right there okay. because we do have a clip of Tory Lanez's lawyer saying the same thing in that Tory never shot the gun. Let's take a look. Meg Thee Stallion says she hasn't experienced a single day of peace since being shot by Tory Lanez in 2020. Well, today, Megan finally got some closure. He started shooting and I'm just like, oh, my God. Tory, whose real name is Daystar Peterson, was sentenced to 10 years in prison for firing a gun at Meg and leaving her with bullet fragments in her feet. The sentence handed down was incredibly harsh. Really just another example 
of someone being punished for their celebrity status. Megan's powerful victim statement was read aloud in court yesterday. She says she still can't bring herself to be in the same room as Tori. She's spiraled into a dark place and will never be the same. She also wants the judge to send a message because, quote, mercy can only be granted to those who accept responsibility. I spoke with Tori's attorney, Jose Baez, who says his client is suffering. Yes, he's innocent. He did not shoot the gun. Correct. Is your client remorseful? He is incredibly remorseful and ashamed and embarrassed that all of this happened. He's in solitary confinement 23 hours a day. He can't even go to take a shower without change. It's essentially a living hell. Eight witnesses. All right. So that gives us a little more context. His lawyer is saying he did not shoot the weapon. Um, Meg the Stallion never opened her mouth and said that Tori actually shot her. And again, she never was really, she was shot at and bullet fragments. There you go. That's, that's, that's where I'm, that's where I'm about to go at, Jules. What are we talking about here? We're talking about bullet fragments. She was never shot. Megan Stallion. Let's make it clear, everybody. Megan the Stallion was not shot. Was never shot. Like, that's just the facts. No matter who shot, no matter who shot the gun, no matter what happened. She did Megan not get shot. Stallion got bullet fragments from the gun being shot into the ground. Okay? She got ricochet. So what that means is that she had some kind of metal that hit her skin. That's what I want to say. What are we talking about? You yeah. got 10 years. Not even having clear-cut evidence that, one, he shot the gun. I blame Megan Thee Stallion. I, I'm sick of black and brown people, especially women. They get, and, and this, has, this has to do with healing and how you was raised, right? Megan Thee Stallion is so broken. Um, and this has nothing to do with Tori. This has to do with her upbringing. But she is so broken to the fact that they had a disgruntled relationship because it, it, it was said in, in court that they did have a, a loveless sexual affair. Mm-hmm. Due to that, there has been a lot of bickering back and forth. Tory mm-hmm. Lane has showed no remorse prior to this incident. He has been screaming his innocence. He has been um, putting out tweets since 2020 talking about this incident, saying that, saying that it's laughable and mm-hmm. that if need to be said, he will come out and really tell the real story. Um, obviously, there is so many. And if you watch this case, me and Jew started following this guy. He's called um, Lawyers. What is it? Law for Lawyers? Uh, lawyers for Workers on Instagram. Lawyers for Workers, all right. Wonderful individual. He is more of an innovative kind of lawyer that gets online and he breaks down cases and he's really good at what he do. And he gives you the play by play. He usually finds a celebrity. He goes to the actual court cases, sits inside, and then he briefs America in lamest terms. So he's kind of that liaison between law and giving us what's really going on in lamest terms so that we can, you know, kind of understand everything. And he does a very good job of it. Needless to say, we have um, been briefed on everything that's been going on in this case. We have heard the play-by-play, and there was so much nonsense. All of this is coming from a broken testimony from Megan. Megan didn't even testify, but Megan had a few things that she said. 
Her friend's testimony was so all over the place. The body guy was so over the place. And then we got an individual who said he overheard things from a window, one of the neighbors. This case does not make sense. To, for you to give this guy, I mean, he went from this almost been a mistrial to mm-hmm. all charges being dismissed to getting 10 years? Uh, listen. Who, who's rubbing shoulders behind closed doors? That's what someone knows the judge, someone knows the prosecutor, somebody is 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 in is in charge of this. It makes no sense. Here's like, what, here's why it makes sense. Um in, in this situation, I feel like all parties are responsible for what happened that night. Um, but to your point, we don't have we as the public do not have a clear understanding of what truly happened that night. Now, the facts in the case were laid out. And if you look at the charges, he's never really charged with shooting Meg the Stallion. Right. He's being charged for an illegal possession of a firearm. He's being charged with an unregistered firearm and. In shooting a firearm, I believe, in public or something like that. So, oh, we don't. Have charges? Yes, his charges he are. He's been charged with with like malicious intent or malicious wounding or something like that. No, those are not his charges. And so, listen, you know this. You're a man who has been through the criminal justice system. You know that during the sentencing guidelines, you guys, for those who are watching a judge has the opportunity to say, okay, here are the guidelines. And there's a set number of points that they can give and assign to the, to the, the person they're persecuting. Right. And so they're saying, okay, this person has remorse. They've shown uh, mercy. Uh, they have, um, they're cooperating with the prosecution. And so they decided to plea out with this they have a college education. They have, you know, uh, these kind of things in their family. They experience these traumas. It's supposed to be a combination of the person's character and the person's reputation and a balance of their crime. Right. And all of those calculations, then somehow the judge sits and says, OK, this is how much needs to be done. What we are seeing here is this. This is the biggest assault case we've seen in decades when it comes to celebrities. When it comes to celebrities, we have a clip of Tory Lanez's father that I want to get into in one second. I'm going to tee it up right Let's see it. Yeah, let's let's see that because I haven't seen that yet. This he talks about the powers behind all of this that happened. If Meg the Stallion was a regular girl, this would never have played out like this. If Tory Lanez was a regular guy, this would never have played out like this. But these are two mega celebrities that both have powerful, powerful people and powerful places. Let's take a look at what Tory Lanez's father had to say. I just stood here in this Los Angeles County and witnessed the worst miscarriage of justice that this world has ever seen. You want to know how I feel? I'll tell you exactly how I feel. I got some names that I want to call. Alex Spiro, Desiree Perez, and the whole wicked system of Rock Nation, including you, Jay-Z. Yes. Yes. You who say you rose from the gutter, but you have 
training and bartered the souls of young men. And you're still doing it. The only independent witness in this courtroom is a man whose name is Sean Kelly. He came to court and our attorneys, he would not even shake their hand after he went upstairs with Kathy Ta and Alex Bart. They met on Saturday before. They met, they on met with our witness. And then the man came back. Listen, there is something here to think about. Um, conspiracy, conspiracy theories. And, and is it really a conspiracy or do we actually know that this happens, right? Like we talked about Joe Biden's son on here and he had that sweetheart deal. Mm-hmm. Duh. Every, a lot of people who are celebrities and have people in power get sweetheart deals. Guess what? I want mine too. If I know somebody who knows somebody who can help me have the most um, a positive outcome for my situation, I'm going to tap in and I'm going to ask for that. We see it all the time. Like we see this all the time. And so I'm not shocked or surprised about this. Rock mm-hmm. Nation is a powerhouse and you're in Los Angeles County. You're there where everybody knows each other. This is a matter of who's who. It's it's a matter of who do you know better? Jules, you do know that there was compelling evidence that the best friend was the one who fired the gun, right? Yes, I do. So there was compelling evidence. And also you do know there's compelling evidence to say that Tory Lane. <laughs> was sexually involved with the best friend first. Yeah. The best friend introduced him to Megan so that he's hitting both that he's having sexual relations with both of them. And you do know the day of that all of this happened, he was sexually involved with both of them. They were all at the, the Jenner's house, um, having a good time, drinking with the Kardashians, and mm-hmm. they're moving there and they got into this whole spill. Yeah. Like, please, y'all like there's also please. testimony from Kelsey, the best friend that Megan was drunk out of her mind and, aggressive. And, she, and, and extremely aggressive um, and that she would not behave herself and that um, Kylie Jenner asked for her to leave. Tori was already on his way out. Uh, Tori stayed at the house. Because he wanted to talk to Kylie. He was talking to Kylie. And Megan would not leave until Tori he was, left. He was mad. Why was she mad? She was jealous. Because Kylie was giving who play? Tory Lane. And it was looking like they was about to bun up and leave and go to a different room. And, and Megan was very upset. So that's what started this whole argument. Yep. She she ended up dragging and bagging Tory to leave. Once they got in the car, it got physical. There yep. was Kelsey, Megan Thee Stallion, Tory, and the body guard. And, and then guess what happened in that car? The cat spilled out the bag that Tory and Megan had a sexual relationship. Kelsey had no idea that that was going on because she actually had feelings for Tori. But what happened is, is you listen, the pandemic hit. They were having a COVID relationship, a little sneaky off the table. Hold on, Jules. Tori was always at Megan's house during COVID and they used to go on live together and everybody just thought they were friends. But they was bunning up. Kelsey. Kelsey. <laughs> I rest. I rest my case. I rest and, my and case. You know what? And it and it and it boils down to this: they never found any gunshot residue on Tori's hands. 
they they really didn't have any physical evidence to put him. They don't even know if the gun was registered to him because the, the shit's not registered. So how do you even know that it's his? Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, I can't say this is a grave miscarriage of justice. What I can say is, is that people have people in high places. Um, people do... At the end of the day, Tori is clearly a part of a no snitch culture and he didn't feel like telling on Kelsey. Um, there are recordings of him during jail calls where he just is apologizing profusely. He doesn't necessarily say why he's apologizing. Um, I heard in a clip that Charlemagne was like, but he did take responsibility at the end. No, dummy. When you're when you're found guilty and then you have to write a, a letter to the judge, you obviously show mercy and say, I take responsibility. But that doesn't mean that you really did that shit. You're just saying that because you have to at this point. I wish the world really knew how many individuals that are locked up right now that didn't do the crime that has to say that they did. In order to write that letter to the judge, the only thing that she wants to hear is that you're remorseful for the crime. And in order to do so, you could be as innocent as you as you as you want to be, but that's all they want to hear. But I so, see over time, um, I, I see that you know we're a little bit over time. Um, Jules, you could tell them you know where they could find you at. I could tell them where they could find me at. This was an interesting topic, and you know we'll be talking about this for hours and hours. Yeah, we can, we can. All right, y'all. Well, I'm Jules Jesse. You guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, make sure you pull up, follow me. Let me know what you want to talk about next week. Rado, what about you? If you could catch me at Rado 7 that's R-O-D-D-O-E-007. You could catch me at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and also Gmail. Love y'all. Great show, Jules. It was a pleasure. Wonderful, wonderful show. Mwah! All right, y'all. Stay tuned. Come back next week. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.